Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Iron and Soul podcast. Um, before I get started, I have to sh- um, send a shout out to Chad Lisher. He um, cornered me cornered me today. Um, I'll say cornered Chad and said and told me that now I have three listeners. So I appreciate that, Chad. Um, my mom, Connor and Chad now listen to the podcast. So I want to um, thank him for that. So I'm super excited today. I um, have been um, following this young woman's um, Instagram page for, oh, I would say about two months now. Um, and she has a really fun way of talking about gut health and mainly women's gut health and um diet so i want to welcome amanda brown to the podcast today thank you so much for having me you're very welcome i'm really excited um because gut health has been um a big priority in our house but i have to start out first with what's the deal with poop well i mean gut health is a really up-and-coming thing we're starting to realize more now that it's really at the basis of all of your health. Your mm-hmm. gut microbes can control um, mental health, your hunger. So as that relates to obesity and things like that. Oh, okay. Is that good? Okay. Um, but yeah, it really, like skin issues, um, chronic fatigue, it's at the basis of everything. So I've really gotten into this space to help people with, whatever kind of symptoms they're having just to get that under control and see if we can fix them by rebalancing the gut a little bit. Okay. But the really, the thing I'm trying to get after in this, that first question is you recently had a post about, I think it was stool samples or, or, uh, checking your poop or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, is that something if you're having stomach issues, people should do totally. Yeah. So, um, I, it's, are you embarrassed that I asked you this question? (laughs) I'm not, I've gotten used to it because, you know, in this space, it's inevitable that I'm going to have to talk about poop all day long. (laughs) Um, but I run a test with my clients. It is a stool test. So it's not the most pleasant thing in the world, but you collect a sample and a little tube, we ship it out. And I basically get a report back that gives me the breakdown of all of the different numbers of the different kinds of bacteria in your stool the good the bad um if there's any like funguses or parasites things like that also gives us a look into how well you're digesting your food and everything like that so i would recommend it to anyone really okay so what got you into okay first of all what is your degree in so and and where did you get it from yeah so i went to k-state went to ku my freshman year but they do not have um, a Bachelor of Science in Dietetics. They only have nutrition. And I really wanted to be a registered dietitian. That's what I am now. So kind of the process of that is four years undergrad, and then you do a fifth year that is an unpaid internship where you get 1,200 hours in a variety of settings. Oh, that's a lot of hours. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing that for a whole year, um, and part of that was at the very beginning of the pandemic also. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you just finished like last May? Not even a year yet. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really like just starting out. Just starting. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So um, 
did you, huh? Listeners, I had talked to earlier. My second listener was Connor. This is Connor's special lady friend, girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. I, I like to say special lady friend. That's I like it too. Mind. Yeah. Um, so, did you live in Manhattan? Yeah, I okay. did. And then for the internship part, um, my first part was in Leavenworth. Okay. So I was at the VA in Leavenworth oh, nice. for a whole semester. Mm-hmm. Then, um, well, actually, no, my very first part was at Hy-Vee here in Lawrence, okay. um, the one on 6th Street that okay. closed, actually. Okay. Um, then I went to Leavenworth, and then I was supposed to be at Providence Medical Center in oh, Kansas yeah. City, mm-hmm. but the pandemic hit, so I was there for a couple weeks, and then we had to go all online. Um, Interesting. Yeah, my professors kind of had to pull some stuff together to give us somewhat of the same experience in the clinical setting, but... Um, it was great. I mean, like I had a great experience still, but yeah, I was pretty much living at home, um, in Overland park throughout the whole thing. Okay. So do you live in Overland park now? I do with my parents, but me and Connor are getting ready to move in like three weeks. That's a room around town. Yeah. Moving in together. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think Connor's excited. That's when he told me he had a huge smile on his face. So my watch is talking to me. Was that Siri? Was that Siri? I think it was Siri. funny. Um, so when you started your college um, journey, well, uh, to dietetics, mm-hmm. diet, dietetics, dietetics, yeah. almost sounds like dianetics, but <laughs> two totally different things. Um, did you go? To, did you like live in Manhattan and mm-hmm. go to school there? Okay. Yep. Okay. Did Connor get his undergraduate from Manhattan? Yeah. Manhattan? Oh, so okay. he was nutritional sciences in, okay. at K State, but now he's in pharmacy school. Right. Um, but he actually had like an interest in dietetics also while he was at K-State, but didn't, didn't go that route. Okay. Um, but yeah, we met in Manhattan. In Manhattan. I went to K-State for a semester. Really? Yeah. But like 30 years ago, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just not my town. So, yeah. um, have you always been interested in health and bo- the body and all that stuff? Or was this something when you went to college, you're like, Oh, this is I'm going to go this direction. Yeah. So a little bit of both. Um, growing up, I was a chubby kid. Um, and in high school, I kind of just had enough of it and decided to try to get healthy. But as a lot of high schoolers experience, it can kind of spiral into, you know, a lot more than that and a lot deeper than just trying to get healthy Like it, in quotes. Uh, uh, my friend Lindsay would say, disordered eating or an eating disorder. So yes, where you can go. Yep. I would classify what I was experiencing more as disordered eating, not fully like an eating disorder, Mm. like anorexia or bulimia. I was never diagnosed with anything and I don't think it was that serious, but really just an obsession around food and being skinny, like not really being healthy. Um, but then as college came around and I started studying this stuff, there was kind of a little bit of a shift, um, more towards just health and nourishing my body and really just the power of food as it plays a role in your health. Okay. Um, so when you're in high school and you and you decide, Oh, I don't like the, because of all the pressures of the world, right. And what women are supposed to look like, even men Mm -hmm. now at this point, Yeah. back when I was um, in high school, it wasn't as much of a focus on guys, but I, I've know that it is now. Mm -hmm. So guys struggle with it more and more. Um, was it the pressure of society and, or was it like, Oh, I just don't feel that good. You know, I think, I think it was more, it was both, but you know, social media was just starting to be more of a thing 
and um, just seeing your peers in high school also just looking different ways and you want to look like that too. And, you know, you want the attention of boys and all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I was, I was always really athletic too. Like I played volleyball, I ran track. Um, but like I said, it just kind of spiraled and became an obsession with working out and eating well. Like I remember times at like track practice or volleyball practice, just being like, lightheaded like I'm gonna pass out because I wasn't eating enough so hungry yeah and as an athlete you have to be eating like it's so scary um but that was like one of my big wake-up call moments Mm -hmm. when that happened one time was like okay this isn't okay so then in high school did you start like reading about nutrition and how to fuel yourself and things like that I really didn't until like uh maybe a little bit but it was kind of like watching Dr. Oz. Ah, That was my, yeah, exactly. That was my big thing was like anything Dr. Oz says is like the truth. And it's just not like, no, no. it's a lot of fear mongering. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, that probably played into it too. Like just becoming scared of sugar and other things in your food. Like I can't eat this because these people on TV are saying it's going to kill me essentially. Right. Right. So, okay. So then you go to, then you go to college And then what, what, I mean, there's lots of things you can do. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said early when you were at KU for a semester, nutrition science versus dietitian. Yeah. Right. What are the differences? So dietitian, a registered dietitian is what I am. And like I said, you go through the 1200 hours Mm -hmm. of supervised practice. Um, you also have to take a credentialing exam that Mm -hmm. I studied for like a couple months for Mm -hmm. after I graduated last year and it's a hard test, but that's the difference. Um, it's, it's accredited and it's nationally recognized, actually recognized all over the world. Whereas a nutritionist, anyone could call themselves a nutritionist. You can call yourself a nutritionist. Yeah. Going to start. Go for it. Yeah. Today (laughs) start marketing that because anyone can do it. Okay. Um, so it's a fine line and I, a lot of dietitians get really upset about it when people are calling themselves nutritionists just because they haven't gone through the same training. Um, so it is frustrating, but I'm kind of in this interesting spot right now where I'm acting in my business that I'm forming around gut health and everything. I'm acting as a nutrition coach because all of my work is online and across state lines. Ah, cause you're only, licensed in the state of Kansas. Right. 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 And, um, so I, I, I'm a nutrition coach who happens to be a registered dietitian and that is my background. Right. But, um, so I had to kind of get over, get over calling myself that a little bit at the the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, like, I don't, I'm not a nutrition coach, but okay. Yeah. Okay. So a couple questions here. What does a dietitian actually do? So they can do a lot of different things. Um, work in the hospital setting with certain disease states like kidney disease and um, like there's bariatric surgery dietitians. Just um, they see everyone in the hospital to make sure they're eating well. They'll do like tube feedings and things like that, okay. like actually calculating the nutrition out on those to give people what they need. But there's so many other areas like working in schools or um, teaching nutrition or for the government, like in policy. Um, Let's see, like community 
nutrition, like YMCA's and like community programs like that. So there's so many options. Also like the food industry, like developing food products, which I have a big interest in also, um, may or may not go into that someday, but the world is your oyster. Exactly. The possibilities are endless. Um, do they still teach in college classes, the food pyramid in your thing or they gotten rid of that? They got rid of the food pyramid. Now it's my plate. So it's, yeah, it's like, it's gone from the pyramid to a plate Mm -hmm. looking thing. And I mean, it, it teaches the same things pretty Mm -hmm. much, but it's pretty much half your plate should be fruits and vegetables. The other parts are protein and whole grains and then some dairy on the side. So, and are they teaching, um, how do I say this? That maybe there are different styles of eating so like maybe some people don't have the dairy maybe some mm-hmm. people don't have the grains or the or the protein the meat mm-hmm. god forbid um <laughs> things like that in yeah yeah okay. and we kind of um learned in school like how to make sure people who are vegetarians or are vegans are still getting everything that they need because they are missing out on, you know, the animal products and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they, they teach us how to assess that and people and just make sure you're getting all the necessary vitamins, getting enough protein from different sources, um, to just make sure the diet is still balanced in whatever way that you choose. So if you were, if you were working with a vegan, Mm -hmm. would you, you would say these are all of the things you have to have to be healthy because what I know about vegans is they Oreos and spinach. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And some French fries. Yeah. Now that they know McDonald's doesn't cook them in um, bad oil. Right. Yeah. So I, I was vegan for a little while. Really? Yeah. For a couple years. Um, when Connor and I first started dating, I was like very hardcore vegan, but that's gone away (laughs) very quickly. We're both like big foodies. So like, Mm -hmm. I just want to experience everything, you know? Um, yeah, there's definitely two different ways to do veganism. Well, well, I'm interested now that you said that, what was, what was the reason that you were vegan and then what shifted for you? I think at the start of it was, I thought that was the healthiest way to live. And I'll be honest, I definitely have gotten sucked into those documentaries on Netflix and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like what the health was the one that I watched that, okay. It, it it's very fear mongering also. Mm-hmm. So I watched that and was like, Oh my, like they say that eating an egg is equivalent to like smoking a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> which just like is ridiculous. But I don't, it, there was just so much hype around it. And I don't know, like dietitians and nutritionists have so many different opinions and some are supporting it and some aren't. That's what's tricky about the nutrition space is everyone has their own opinions um, and because you can say you're a nutritionist, then people believe that, right? Yeah. So yeah. I could be on a documentary and say I'm a nutritionist, mm-hmm. which I have zero education <laughs> yeah, in nutrition. But who knows? Right. But because I say that, I can say, oh, only eating spinach mm-hmm. is the best way to live. Yep. Okay. For this reason, this reason, and this reason. And people will just run with that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. People need to be really careful about what they're putting out there, which is a whole other issue. But, um, so you're, you're, were you scared into to being a vegan or were you just kind of like, Oh, I've been told that this is the healthy thing. And you kind of followed that. 
Yeah, I think it, it was it was that I was told that it was the healthiest thing to do and I tried it and I was like, oh, I actually like it. And I still do eat a very plant-forward mm-hmm. diet, but I have at least one source of an animal product, you know, every single day. Okay. But it's just very, like, plant-based. That's okay. truly what plant-based means is just plants are at the forefront of your diet, but you add in those other protein mm-hmm. options. Yeah, I've noticed that that's the that's – the, that's the, uh, I don't know if it's a cool thing to say, hit thing to say, whatever, but like plant, plant-based diet, right? Mm-hmm. But plant-based diet means you're getting, would you say if your plate was half veggies, that's a plant-based diet and the other, and you're getting some source of animal protein? Or if you say I have a plant-based diet, then I'm a vegetarian. No, I think, I think it's more towards the first okay. that you said. Um, but it's also like, I don't know. I would say that it's definitely half your plate fruits and vegetables, but maybe you don't have an animal protein with every single meal. Maybe for lunch or something, you have like beans or lentils or something as your protein or tofu. Okay. And then like dinner, you have a meat or something like that. Um, but it's definitely a spectrum. Like it's, it's just different. Okay. What was your first thing that you ate when you decided not to be a vegan? What was the first animal that you ate? I, don't remember what the, I feel like it was probably like late night pizza or something after being like out with friends, or something or like a ton pepperoni. of cheese and pepperoni or something. Uh, yeah, okay. That would probably be my guess as to what it was. Did you notice any, like, like did your stomach go, Oh, this isn't very nice of you to do this switch on me. I don't remember, but I feel like I didn't have like that. People seem to make it like a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, you're going to get so sick if you Mm -hmm. like eat a hamburger now, which maybe for some people you do, but I don't remember anything like that happening to me. (laughs) So in the er in the early to mid nineties for about five years, I was a vegetarian. Okay. And um, I was, I read some articles, some point there that said there's an enzyme in the stomach that doesn't allow you to break down red meat as well. Okay. okay. There's something like that. So I always grabbed onto that. Oh, we're not supposed to eat red meat and da, 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 da. The first thing I ate when I decided not to be a vegetarian was a steak and it was delicious. Did you have a reaction? No, I didn't yeah. have any reaction. So I'm, I'm wondering, is that, is, is there certain things in our stomach that digest things a certain way, like meats a certain way versus vegetables a certain way. And is it an enzyme or what is that? So yeah, there's different digestive enzymes. You have one for, or a few for protein, fats and carbs. Um, so proteins obviously Mm. would be your meats. Vegetables are tricky because it's kind of a mix of everything. There's protein, carbs, not really fats, but it'll be a mix of those enzymes working together to break those down. So cool. Okay. So I was not too far off. Not really something. I don't know. No. And I mean, there's specific conditions too, where you might have like things I see in my clients a lot is low stomach acid. Okay. Stomach acid is what triggers those enzymes to be released Mm -hmm. from your pancreas and other organs. So if you don't have enough stomach acid, you won't be releasing those digestive enzymes because they can't be triggered to do so. So it could have been something along those lines. Like if you have this, Uh, then you won't be able to digest protein as well. But Okay. I would say for the general person, no, it's okay. not. So do you try to, as a dietitian, right? Is that what, what I would say? Mm-hmm. Or slash nutritionist? Yeah. Try to not 
this is going to sound like kind of jerky, but I don't mean it to be okay. a hypocrite, right? Because yeah. when I've had conversations with dietitians and actual dietitians, they are not um, looking the healthiest to me, mm-hmm. right? They tend they tend to the ones that I've had conversation with with have been um, they don't exercise, they're not following what they're telling their clients what they should be eating or me, mm-hmm. right? The person that's pretty fit. And they're like, oh, you need to make sure you have this and this. And I'm like, well, you're not like, who doing are you that. to tell yeah. me? Yeah. Is that, is that common in the, in that field or most people pretty healthy in the, that did I just run into some bad apples? No, I think, um, it de- just depends on the person. Like, okay. I think there's some people who are overly strict with the health stuff and, mm-hmm. Um, kind of on that spectrum that I was at the beginning where can't eat anything bad or else it's poison. poison. And then there's yeah people in the middle. Like I would say I'm right now very balanced. Like I go out to eat every weekend. I drink, like I, I let myself have whatever I want, but I keep it very balanced. You know, like tell, tell me a little bit about you let yourself have whatever you want, but you keep it balanced. What does that mean? So generally like during the week, I make sure that I have lunches prepped every single day that are going to be really, really nutritious. So I can guarantee that I'm having a healthy meal for at least one part of the day. Okay. But if I want to go out to dinner or something that night, it's not going to be the end of the world and I'll be fine because I know that I got some vegetables in and whole grains and fiber, protein, whatever mm-hmm. at lunch. Okay. So, and that also really helps, you know, keeping your blood sugar stable. So it doesn't have a huge effect on like how you react to it or you don't feel as bad, like physically after you eat that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's one of the big things I try to do, but on the weekends, yeah, I just kind of, (laughs) I like, yeah, I like to experience food. I like to go different places and I let myself do that. Even if I don't feel the best on Monday. I can learn from that and say, I'm not going to do that again (laughs) or I'll do something Um, different. Let's, let's go down a little road that I like, that I like, and that's food prepping. Mm -hmm. Tell the three listeners out there, one being your boyfriend, Connor, (laughs) um, the importance of like, how do I, without being, having an agenda and saying this, if you're going to live a certain lifestyle, right? Exercise or not things like that, the importance of prepping your food for the week. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit of what, why people do that or so, the importance of that. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Kind of. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I would think that it's different for everyone. For some people it might just be to save time. Mm-hmm. Like you might have more time over the weekend to get that done. Mm-hmm. And then like if you have kids or something and you're not wanting to, f- cook a full meal at dinner, you might have some proteins ready to go and some vegetables that you can throw into something. And then dinner's ready in a lot less time than it would take. Um, for other people like me, it might just be that you have a guaranteed healthy meal to have for lunch or dinner or whatever. Um, for other people that are really into fitness or something, it might be to cut weight or gain weight or gain muscle. Um, I think it looks different for for everyone, just depending on your goals. So let's talk about healthy and fitness, right? Yeah. Um, how important is it in the world of being healthy, healthier and fitness to prep food for the week? Well, I think that fitness is like, or overall health is like at least 
75% nutrition mm-hmm. and then 25% exercise. You can't out exercise a bad diet, you know? That's true. And you have to be nourishing your body in the right mm-hmm. way if you want to see the results that you're wanting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, even all these like bodybuilders and stuff that just get all the protein supplements in the bars and that's all they eat. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not good either. No, I just, I, I can't justify how that would be healthy. Like, I don't want to know what's going on in their, in their body, like high blood pressure. It could be, or just like, like you need vegetables. You got to have that in there. Like no product is going to give you optimal health. Right. It's whole real foods. Okay. And, and how important is, God, I have so many questions that are going on in my mind. (laughs) Um, I've had a lot of caffeine too. How important (laughs) is, um, nutrition timing? Like, do you coach people on that? Like when to eat certain things to to be the most optimal for studying or exercise or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't get into that a ton, okay. but I mean, there's like sports dietetics is a mm-hmm. whole other area that people okay. can go into. And yeah, with that, there's definitely timing things that are important in terms of when you have your carbs, when you have your protein, mm-hmm. um, like before your workouts and then after to replenish those Uh, muscle losses so you can build your stores back Mm -hmm. up so that you can continue growing and exercising to reach your goals. Um, I have to back up real quick and say something. Hey, Matt, you can't out-exercise a bad (laughs) diet. I'm just saying, as many rolls as you get in, you need to cut out the wings and the pizza. Um, (laughs) So what got you, what then led you down the direction of like gut health and and things like that. Yeah. Good question. Um, it's been a journey. Like I, I think the first experience I had, well, I'll start by saying this. So kind of this space of gut health is termed integrative and functional nutrition. Okay. Basically what that means, it's like a holistic approach and you're getting to the root cause of the problem in your body instead of like band-aiding it with a medication or something like that. So I got the opportunity to shadow, um, this guy who is a dietitian, he worked at a KU clinic for integrative and functional medicine. I'd never heard of that before. So I went there and watched him see patients and stuff and talk about diet. Like this is what you need to be eating. And they also do like acupuncture and stuff there. And it was just different from what I see because in the clinical setting for dietetics, if, um, someone needed to get in a lot of calories because they're, in a catabolic state, like they're breaking down their muscle stores and everything because they're really, really sick. They might recommend like, okay, get this guy a burger and a milkshake because he needs calories right? Okay. to build the stores back up. And it just has never sat right with me that you would feed a sick person a burger and a milkshake, you know, even mm-hmm. if it is for the calories, like I would rather someone have a giant smoothie filled with you know, leafy greens and berries and different fruits and like seeds and nut butters, that would be the equivalent. You could make that equivalent in calories easily by all the things that you add in, but there's just so much more nutrition in it and Mm -hmm. micronutrients and all the things that you actually need to heal. So when I went to this clinic and saw him doing that, it just kind of opened my eyes to a whole new area of nutrition that we're not really taught in school at all. Um, So I always knew that I wanted to go into that, but I didn't really know how to get there since we didn't 
study it. So what do you what do you mean they didn't really st- tell you about it or you didn't really study it? Like they don't talk about the proper gut stuff or I'm confused. No, they really don't. Um, not in undergrad at Interesting. least. So there's like master's programs like KU has like a master's um, like series of classes you can take focused on integrative and functional nutrition. But yeah, I mean, dietetics in a way in school can be very like old school. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, because even somebody that's that's um, self-educated, right, mm-hmm. knows that there are certain things that, to put into your stomach to help you that are going to be better than not, right? So probiotics, mm-hmm. prebiotics, things yeah. like that. And that's another way that it gets tricky with the nutritionist versus dietitian thing mm-hmm. because there are some people who didn't study dietetics in school who have self-taught themselves all of this stuff by reading the peer-reviewed literature and doing their own research who are very, very well educated in what they do. And they're not necessarily equivalent to someone who's just calling themselves a nutritionist, right. you know? right. So it gets, it's tricky in that way because mm-hmm. I wish there was some kind of credentialing for that right? to let people know like this is the real deal, not just someone calling themselves a nutritionist. But you can go through like nutrition programs that are really good and mm-hmm. at least say you went through that program and right. that's, that's, that are, I would consider respected or mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. So to explain to people a little bit more about like what you're trying to say. Like we get it that like a milkshake and a hamburger is not good for the normal person, but there is like in your example, there was a reason it just Mm -hmm. wasn't the reason that you or or the way you would do it. Mm -hmm. But for some reason that person needed calories, right? Mm -hmm. And they needed to eat more and have something going on. And that's a lot that happens in your field in like the nursing home or hospital right. field, right? Like yes. where these people are super skinny and they can't keep on any weight. So mm-hmm. they're just, their food is hot, such a high caloric meals, but you would, myself would never be like, Oh, I'm going to eat that. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's, I mean, it's based on the person also mm-hmm. someone in the hospital could like when you're in the hospital, you want, comforting foods you don't feel good okay they might not want to want to have a smoothie that's really healthy a burger and milkshake is probably what sounds good and that's also a very important part of nutrition is the emotional side of food because food is very 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 emotional Uh, sure is and you can't just take things away from someone without without that being okay with them they're never going to stick to it right so it's really you know overall finding that balance I, I hate the word balance really because what does it mean? But what does it mean? So what does it mean to you? Like what, it, what, what's a balanced diet? I know that we talked a little bit about vegetables and thing in the, the plate, but really mm-hmm. what let's get into like, what is a balanced diet for you or for your clients, even though they may have different needs? Yeah. So balanced diet overall is going to be something that you can sustain long-term Okay. something that you enjoy eating. It's not like a chore. It's not that I'm eating this food because it's good for me, but I hate it Mm -hmm. because the truth is if you're more stressed out about, I need to stick to this perfectly, or I can only eat this, you're causing yourself more mental stress and that's not good for your body either or your digestion. 
if you're overly stressed, you physically can't digest your food as well. So it's really about finding what you like, what you're willing to change and what you're willing to implement. I like to look at it more of more as what you can add to your diet rather than take away. So if you mm. want to have a burger, fine, but maybe add some more veggies to it, like have a veggie on the side with your fries, you know, trying to just bulk it up a little bit okay. with the veggies and get them in where you can, okay. but not changing completely everything about your diet because you're not going to follow that long term. Okay. Um, what is your favorite cheat meal? Oh gosh. Do you believe in cheat meals? That's the other That's, question. Yeah. Cause Lindsay, my friend, who's a therapist in our, our, um, building here and is working on being, Oh God, I forget what she called it, but it's like basically a, um, like a sports psychologist type of thing. And she does, a, she works with a lot of eating disorders. So she would, she would never, she would get, she would yell at me and say, there's no, I don't cheat. Yeah. There's no such thing. But yeah, I, I do. no, totally. Um, I, cheat. <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily believe in it either. I think a long time ago I would have been like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and have this. But mm-hmm. now the way I've kind of built out my pattern of eating, it's just, I'm going to have this because I want it. And when you don't put food on the pedestal like that, I think you're less likely to want it so bad and go off the rails completely. You know, you don't put cupcakes on a pedestal. No cupcakes. No? Don't do it for me. What, what, what does it for you? Like a really good pizza. Oh, like, I was hoping you'd say pizza. I could just like, I felt <laughs> like I was reading your mind. Like a margarita you, pizza. Oh, where's your, where's your go-to? Um, limestone is really, oh, really good. Yes, it is. And then we just went somewhere in Kansas city. I don't know how to say it. It's like, authentic Italian pizza, but I don't I know noticed that it. on your Instagram. Yeah. So I want to, so <laughs> love your Instagram. Thank right? you. Right. Like it's a lot of, you do, you're really creative with it, which obviously I'm not with mine. I just like, Oh, here's a picture of me. <laughs> um, but like you do these really fun things and I was showing my wife, she's like, I, my wife, Jill was like, I want to follow, show her thing. <laughs> so you're like, you just do some fun shit. So how did you, decide that that's where you're going to hit some of your audience and make it fun. There's a method to the madness. I'm working with a business coach specifically for dietitians right now who I love and adore. She's like absolutely incredible. Started working with her in January. And I mean, she just teaches us all this stuff, like to kind of get into people's heads. Like what do they want to see? How will they understand it best just to kind of hit the different topics. So something that you post will work for someone out there, you know, it might not resonate with everyone, but if it's resonating with someone, that's awesome. Uh You know, you're not going to please everyone. So having a variety out there though, like I do, I've started doing the reels a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, being funny with some of those being informational with some of those and you know, they get different engagement. So not going to please everyone, but I just keep doing my thing and post kind of whatever I want to post while also trying to teach and relate to people. What's your Instagram? It's amandabrown.rdn. All right. Follow it. It's good. It's (laughs) funny. It's informational. Um, so you're, you have your own business, which is called what? 
Amanda Brown Nutrition. Amanda Brown Nutrition. Yeah. Do you work for anybody else? Um, I do. So I'm doing an interesting thing right now okay. in Kansas City. There's a new market that has opened up. It's called Crossroads Market. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that at all, but is it by the hotel? No. Crossroads hotel? Okay. Um, but it's in like the Crossroads area. Okay. I'm trying to think of what it's. It's right next to um, City Barrel. It's a restaurant, okay. but also near like. Um, What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. But it's pretty much they're trying to bring healthy, organic foods into areas that might not go to it on their own. You know, just kind of placing it in that area so people will see it and maybe give it a chance. Because, you know, the demographic down there in just downtown Kansas City, they're not... There's not many things like that. And so their goal is, it's like a mini, very mini Whole Foods. Okay. So like a grocery store-ish yeah. with some with some food you could eat in, on the go or yeah. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of what I've been doing for them is I, I reached out to them on Instagram. and was like, do you need a nutritionist or anything? And they're like, actually, yeah, that'd be great. And so I've been coming up with ideas for them for like grab and go options. So people can pop in and just grab a healthier option instead of going to McDonald's or whatever. Um, and the big thing we're doing is we're going to make like hello fresh type meal kits. Okay. So I'm coming up with the recipes for those doing the nutrition information and people will be able to come grab and they're going to be at a pretty affordable price too for all, you know, organic produce and everything like that. Um, but to promote home cooking instead of going out to eat all the time. So um, just kind of bringing that into the homes and making it affordable so that people can access that. Um, They're also doing like produce boxes where you can fill up a box with however much produce and it's a set price. I think it's like 12 bucks or something, which is really good, you know, for good produce. Um, So just putting it into the hands of the people. That's really cool. So, I haven't, I didn't really think about this when I was thinking about a dietitian, but you said that you create the recipes. So in, so is that something you have to do outside of diet, dietetics degree, or do they teach you how to, for lack of a better word, cook in Mm -hmm. school? Yeah, they do. Like I took a science of food class is what it was called. So it teaches you like the enzymatic processes involved in like browning, like, why bread gets brown when you bake it or why meat gets brown when you cook it. So really, really technical things, but it also taught us, you know, how to make simple recipes, like a simple cookie recipe or um, like what goes into a good salad. And we also took classes on um, like menu design, like if you wanted to go into management, because a lot Ah. of dietitians will do that too, like restaurant or grocery store management. Um, how do you plan a menu so that it catches people, people's attention in the right spot? Like, um, people's eyes tend to go to the top right corner for some reason or right in the middle. Yep. So you want to put your big sellers in those spots. So very Interesting. interesting. It's a very like well rounded education that we get, I guess. That's pretty cool. I didn't even think about that piece. So, so you, when you develop, um, um, you can develop them. Actually, you're developing a menu for this place that you work for ish, mm-hmm. right? For these, these foods. That's really fucking kick ass. Okay. So, um, Ooh, that 
was really loud. Um, <laughs> you're doing that. And then when did you, did you do that before you started your business or did you start your business after you started working for them? So I just started doing this okay. for the market, like okay. a couple months ago, I've just been working um, from home okay. on it, just coming up with the recipes and all of that. But hopefully when we move down to Kansas city and are a little bit closer, I'll be able to be in the store and talk with people. We talked about even doing like little consultations where people can book a session with me and just talk about general nutrition information just because I don't, I mean, they're going to market like my business and things like that also, but I don't know if people are so much worried about their gut health as they are just general healthy diet. That might be more of like on the level of someone who's just starting out in their health to just just eat, try to eat healthier, yeah. And then you can kind of the next level is the gut health right. and understanding that. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. If you were to recommend one thing that a person should eat or take for their gut, and they could only have one, one of these things, what would you what would you recommend? Fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. Okay, why? Because there's so much fiber in them that's mm-hmm. going to feed your good gut bacteria. And also just the micronutrients, the vitamins in all okay. of them. If you're eating a variety of fruits and vegetables, that's going to create a variety of good bacteria in your gut, which is essential for gut health. Okay. So that would be the number one thing Okay. for sure. So what do you think about just only eating meat carnivore? The style? carnivore diet? Yeah. I mean, what's absent is the fruits and vegetables. Right. So, I mean, definitely not deficient in protein or anything, but where's the fiber? How Mm -hmm. are your gut bugs getting fed? They're Mm -hmm. not because you're not eating any fiber. Okay. So, um, what would, so do you study when you're, or do you, when you go through school, do you study history and like the history of like how food was in 3000 years ago versus today? And, and things like that and how we've evolved in that area? Not really. Okay. I think that's a little advanced for what they're, okay. like I said, they're kind they're pretty like old school. Okay. And yeah. Cause I, cause I wonder, um, cause there's this idea, like we, 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 we talked a little bit about the pyramid and now we, and then you move to the, the, what's it called? The good plate? No. Oh, my plate. My plate. Yeah. Um, because there is discussions about what we ate before um mcdonald's i'll just say mm-hmm. mcdonald's right yeah. um that we basically just had meat and fat mm-hmm. and s- some things we could um scavenge for until we learned how to bake mm-hmm. um things like that so what do you think our gut health there's so many i'm sorry i'm really caffeinated um (laughs) do you think our gut health has gone down because of the crap out there or do you think that just let's start with that one definitely i mean all of the additives in our food and i'm just like i don't know you think you're getting a hamburger from mcdonald's but there's so much other stuff thrown into it that is not natural and can 100% be messing up your health. We don't necessarily know the research on all of that mm-hmm. yet. I mean, there's some, but I think getting back to 
as natural of a way as e- of eating as you can. Like, are you talking about like paleo and whole 30? Yeah, and that type paleo, of stuff? whole 30. But even just if you look at the Inuits of Alaska, or the, all they ate were for the most part was walrus and walrus fat. Right. Mm-hmm. And they lived for a long, long time because that's how they were able to survive those cold winters. Now, if you know anything about Alaska, you know that or northern area that in the summer that blueberries and certain things bloom really well, but oh. there's only a small window of time to forage f- for that stuff. So the the majority of those folks' diets were mm-hmm. meat and fat and they did just fine. Yeah. So it's this idea. So I so my when I think about these things and understanding people, what I what I think about is it's not that that was good or bad right that worked for them Mm -hmm. but what is happening today is people are putting so much poison Mm -hmm. that's my word Mm -hmm. in their their system so so eating just meat and fat isn't what they're just eating anymore does that make sense of what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i mean i think it's a different story if you're getting it from like reputable sources and you know, it's good quality mm-hmm. meats and everything like that. But what I'll say is there's no one diet that is going to work best for everyone. Some okay. people thrive on like keto. Okay. Like I have colleagues who promote keto and they're mm-hmm. dietitians and that works really well for them. And that works really well for their clients. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. we all have different ways of working. Some people do better on a vegetarian or vegan diet. Some people don't feel good when they're on that type of diet. Mm-hmm. So it really just comes down to what is best for you and your body. I'm never going to say this is the way you need to be eating. And that goes for every single person so, ever. So the, the thing that I get frustrated most about is this, is this idea. And, and obviously I am a little more knowledgeable at this stuff, but I still get frustrated saying things like, What's best for you? How does a person unlike myself, right? Mm -hmm. Because that took me years to kind of back and forth to figure out how does somebody figure that out? Because we're in such a fast, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that I'm irritated with you. I don't want you to think that. (laughs) But that is something that gets thrown out there. What's best for that person? What's Mm best is not best for that person. And da, 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 da. But if you're just an average person that, that, you know, doesn't have the same passions that you and I have, mm-hmm. think about things like this. Think about our overall health all the time. You know, they're, they're buzzing to, to work and having to take their kids to this or that. Right. How do they figure it out in the, in the limited time that they have? What's best for them? That's a really great question. And I think so many things go into that. What I would say for someone is to start with like the my plate model. Okay. You know, just kind of cleaning up your diet in that way. Eat less processed foods. I'm cause I don't know. That's one thing I say. I don't think anyone is gonna feel good eating a ton of processed foods. I don't think that so would explain, be true for so anyone. So explain to people, because that's also something that gets thrown around is this idea of mm-hmm. processed foods. Explain to the to the to the three listeners. <laughs> what, what, what really, what processed food is? So technically processed food is going to be anything that's modified in any single way from how it came from nature. So okay. even like, I shouldn't even say processed foods cause that's not what I'm referring to when I say 
don't eat a lot of processed foods, but like, like oats are processed, like quick oats are processed because Mm -hmm. they're cut up smaller. So that's technically processed. Um, what else? Like canned beans are processed because they've been canned. So, but that's not like the bad side of process. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's okay. So I, I don't like the word processed really, because that's not what I'm referring mm-hmm. to when I say people should eat less of those things. What I'm referring to is things with all the additives and like the food dyes and the preservatives and, you know, you leave a McDonald's cheeseburger out for years and years and it looks the same years looks later. exactly the same. Like that's, that can't be good for you. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's what I mean when I say processed foods. Okay. Um, but technically it means just being modified in any way. Okay. So Takis, you know what Takis are? Yeah. Those are processed. <laughs> totally. Okay. Otto, when you listen to this part here, I just want you to know that I, I know you love Takis, but they are not good for you. I'm just saying you heard it from the dietitian. Well, you didn't hear it from her. You heard it from me. But I'm just saying. <laughs> and you know, there's, there's probably a place for Takis in everyone's diet. If you have an is. emotional connection to them, you want them, Eat have the them. All right. Okay. Have them, but like, don't overdo it, you know, okay. just, yeah. So as somebody's trying to figure out how to eat, find what works for them and eat healthier and starting with, you know, I think I, maybe even I saw this on Dr. Oz, but I doubt it. Um, like cleaning out your cabinets and throwing away all that shit and then starting fresh. Is that what, how you would coach somebody on trying to find that or how would you? Um, I don't think an all or nothing approach is the most beneficial mm-hmm. for people. Okay. Um, it can be hard. It, it just, again, it depends on your goals. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to just clean up your diet in general, I mean, getting rid of some of those things is definitely beneficial, but you want to keep some of them around too. So you're not falling off the wagon and then binging on them later. Right. So you want to make sure it's sustainable for you. But like with my clients, I do a lot of elimination diets because there's a lot of food sensitivities and those can cause inflammation in your body if you're sensitive to them. And then your gut is going to continue to have problems if you keep eating those things. Okay. I want to, I want to stop there for a second and talk about gluten. So explain, um, what gluten is, if you know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to put you on the spot as if you, if you, if you don't know, know. cool. Um, (laughs) um, And what it does to our bodies and, and maybe why, I guess. Yeah. And let's just start there. Okay. So gluten is a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. Um, it's all it is. It sounds like a really scary thing, but it's really just a component of those grains. So, in, and, it, and it and it shows up naturally, correct? Yes, okay. totally natural. It's not an additive or anything. Okay. But in most people, gluten is not an issue. What it does, and there's research on this, it does this in everyone, but some people it's not as big an issue. So there is an enzyme, I think it's an enzyme, it's called zonulin, and it's mediated by gluten. So the more gluten you eat, the more zonulin there is. But what zonulin does is it kind of breaks apart the cell lining in your intestines. Mm -hmm. The average person who doesn't have any issues with gluten, those cells will close back up after they eat it and they don't have a problem. 
But if someone who um, is sensitive to gluten has gluten, those cells will stay open. And that's where particles from your food can get through into your blood circulation. And then your immune system can see those particles and attack them, causing a reaction, like an immune reaction. So like for me, I am sensitive to gluten and I know this because I've eliminated it for periods of time. And then when I have it, I notice specific symptoms. Like for me, it's eczema. I get really bad eczema. Um, so like in my gut, the cell lining just doesn't close up when I eat it and it remains open. And then my immune system sees the gluten particles and causes that eczema reaction on my skin. Okay. And that's what a lot of people don't realize about like gut health. You know, it can cause symptoms beyond just digestive things, but that's gluten. And I mean, if you think you have a problem with gluten, you can eliminate it for a little bit and then see how you do. So talk, can you talk a little bit about why it it, like inflames the joints and things like that? Do you know why that happens? Um, so it's just the immune reaction, I would say. Um, if you're sensitive to it, that's a good sign is like joint pain that you might be sensitive to it. But yeah, your immune system is just kind of attacking and causing that inflamed response which we need inflammation in like acute situations like if you get a cut on your finger we need that Mm -hmm. but chronic inflammation can be really detrimental okay explain to me a little bit um so if i'm somebody that has been eating gluten for a while and haven't no and i don't know that it's affecting me in a certain way Mm -hmm. right and then i cut it out right and then I eat it and all I want to do is nap. Mm. What is going on with that? That is really irritating. So it's like fatigue that shows up for you. Like in like, I don't necessarily feel it as much in my um, joints, but like I don't eat a lot of gluten now, but let's, let's say we have pizza. Pizza is probably number one on my list of favorite things in the world. Gotta have it. And man, if I have a certain, if I have thick crust, Man, the next day, mm-hmm. maybe even that night, depending on which thick crust I have, I'll feel a little groggy. But the next day, I feel like everything feels heavy. Like, like brain fog. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's no. a very common reaction. So you're likely gluten sensitive. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it just doesn't really go away. Gluten sensitivity doesn't. But I wasn't always gluten sensitive. So is that something that you also see is that people um, get gluten sensitive Um, the older they get or for whatever reason, you know, I think it's tricky to know why that happens because it does. Like I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. People are like, I've always, I've been fine with it. And then I cut it out and now I have a problem. What I think about is, did you always have a problem and you just didn't realize it? And maybe it was like manifesting in different ways. Like I like the skin issues or, um, like, I don't know, just digestive things. And then you cut out the gluten and add it back in. And now those are just more pronounced and you can directly see that the gluten was causing it. That's just one thing I think about sometimes, but for everyone, it might not. Right. Yeah. So I totally think mine, my, my noticing of the sensitivity, um, is something with, I think older with my age, kind of just being, 
um, maybe more in tune with my body as I get older, wanting to it to perform differently mm-hmm. that I notice that glute and then that I have become more sensitive because the pizza that I used to eat, cause I managed a pizza place for 15 years oh my gosh. was high gluten flour. Uh-huh. And I used to eat it every day. It gives you the best pizza crust. Right. <laughs> and I felt I, I didn't notice myself being, mm-hmm. um, more fatigued or less fatigued at the time. And I exercised and I did stuff. It was, then I didn't have it because I went on to do something else and I had it. As, as I don't have it as often, but when I do, mm-hmm. man, I am like immediately taken out. Yeah. Like it hits me hard. So I must have at some point, well, maybe it's the high gluten, maybe because it's a high gluten flour Could be. or something that I just, it just smacks me in the face. So we noticed, um, Jill, Jill and I were just changing up. We love to just experiment and mm-hmm. change with diets and nutrition and and we she was feeling a she wanted to go down this um train and hire a nutrition coach actually um a reputable company mm-hmm. and we cut gluten out and she her joints stopped hurting i mean her skin cleared i mean yeah interesting and she's like oh my god that's, i was like yeah I've been telling you for years, but you right. pay somebody a hundred bucks a month. I, that's what, <laughs> yeah. I have family like that too yeah. and friends who yeah. they don't want to hear it from me, but when they hear it from someone else. They, I know. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, we, she doesn't do that anymore, but she did a, I mean, it taught her a lot about mm-hmm. how to just eat differently. And I do all her cooking for, but when, even when she has gluten now, a certain thing, she, I mean, it's like, she'll feel it in her knees and yeah. she has some bad knees. So she'll feel that. Uh huh. Yep. And it, it totally could be something age related. I just mm-hmm. don't know for sure right. on that answer. But like inflammation and like food sensitivities is also kind of like a fill in the bucket situation. Like uh, it could be drops in the bucket over time and then you hit your limit and okay. then your symptoms start. start I, just, I literally just said shard. <laughs> <laughs> You're always about the poop, man. Yeah, really. But then your symptoms start appearing more. Okay. So, um, what else? So the, the eczema is an interesting one. Cause my nephew, he had really bad eczema on his bottom of his feet. Oh yeah. Oh and, gosh. Um, they went to, and finally they, they took out gluten and breads <laughs> and pastas and things like that. And it cleared up. Wow. Yeah. So. I've yeah. never heard bottom of the feet. Yeah. That's got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It was, he said it was terrible. Oh, awful. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. And my boys always, when they were younger, had a little bit of eczema, um, sensitive skin stuff. Uh-huh. And I noticed that my guess is if they have more gluten in their diet, then they're probably going to be a little more sensitive to that. So yeah, it could be dairy is yeah. like a big one also that causes eczema. Like really? my little brother had that when he was little okay too but yeah well what do you what, what's your take on dairy um i think that it can definitely be part of a healthy mm-hmm. diet same thing with gluten if you're not sensitive to it mm-hmm. then by all means go for it um but if you feel better without it then obviously mm-hmm. take it out because you're gonna be reducing inflammation in that way right but isn't i mean let's look at just milk in general mm-hmm. just da- dairy milk isn't dairy milk actually pretty good for you Um, I mean, it has protein. It's a really good source of nutrition. It has all three macronutrients 
you know, protein, fat, and carbs. Mm-hmm. So like for kids, it's a great mm-hmm. source of nutrition. Um, what about for the bones, the calcium and all that stuff? Can you get that somewhere else? I think the research is changing okay. on it a little bit in terms of um, like calcium from cow's milk in terms of how it affects the bones. I'm not super familiar on it, okay. but um, I don't think that it's what we used to think that it was where there was such this push on dairy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's other things that you can get calcium from like calcium is there's a lot of it in like leafy greens okay. and different things like that. So I don't think milk is your only source of okay. that. Okay. But um, are you cold? No. Okay. Okay. Um, I have to pee. So okay. I'm going to pause for a second. <laughs> yeah. I'm pee and we'll get back at it. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Oh, much better. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I got connected with you through Connor, who I got connected through jujitsu. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit on what, because lots of jujitsu people listen to this. Okay. Or not lots. (laughs) A few of them listen to this, I hope, and enjoy it. So I, and sometimes I am asked questions or we talk a lot about nutrition and nutrition timing and, and food and, and cause I'm really into exercising mm-hmm. and it's like that. So let, and sometimes I feel like this is my shit, um, that I could be a know-it-all. Okay. Right? So I want to talk about a little bit about the importance of how to eat for a sport if possible, like what you can tell us, right? how to eat nutrition timing things people can put into their stomach to um, eat before they come to jujitsu that will digest easy, give them energy. Yeah. Um, and then what to eat whole foods wise after they have a hard training session. So let's okay. talk a little bit about helping, helping the community that I enjoy. Yeah. So I don't know a ton about okay. like sports nutrition specifically, okay. but I do have colleagues that share this stuff okay. all the time. So I know a few things, okay. um, you know, generally before a workout, you're going to want to avoid things that are high in fat because that takes a long time to digest and also protein. Okay. So if you're going to have like a full meal, try to make it a few hours before you do your workout or else you're probably not going to feel very good. You really want to focus on like quick carbs okay. before. So like quick carbs would be like white rice or white bread, um, fruit. Like if you want to do like banana or applesauce or something like that, cause applesauce is already broken down. Okay. So, um, or like fruit snacks or gummies or something like that. Okay. Um, so those are really quick carbs Oh, fiber is another thing that you might want to avoid a little bit, which okay. is why like the white rice and white bread is better. Cause they're going to be broken down okay. really quickly. Okay. Um, in terms of after, so what a lot of people like get confused about protein, they think they need to eat all this protein if they want the gains mm. and whatever, but mm-hmm. really it's just the excess calories that are going to make you gain muscle. It's not protein. 
So carbs is what you want to focus on more is increasing your carbs if you're wanting to gain muscle and then just the increase in calories in general. But after a training session. Yes. But but you do need protein for muscles. Totally. But what like they should people shouldn't be focusing on like I need all this protein, like copious amounts of protein. In general or right after a workout? I'm confused. Um, I would say both. Okay. Like you obviously want to have some protein after a workout, but I see all these people just like, you know, loading up on the protein shakes and the protein bars and only eating meat because they think protein is what's going to get them muscle growth, Mm -hmm. but it's not just the protein. It's really a focus on the carbs. Because isn't the carb, isn't the sugar, sugar, we'll we'll call it sugar, Mm -hmm. the vehicle that gets the protein to the muscle for repair? So yeah, it's what you can store the carbs in your muscles to then later use in your workout for energy. Right. You break that down during your workout. Right. And then I don't, I'm not sure. I'm like the getting the protein in, but (laughs) so, but are you a a proponent of four males, like 0.75 to one gram of protein per for per pound? So if I'm 200 pounds, I need 200 grams of protein. So I wouldn't say per pound. What we learned in school is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram. Okay. So kilogram is your body weight divided by 2.2. Okay. So it's going to be a little bit less. Body weight. Your body weight in pounds divided by 2.2 is your body weight in kilograms. Okay. Which is, we'll just call mine 100 pounds. Yeah. Okay. 100 kilograms. Yeah. So how much protein do I need? So about, well, it's, it's different for every person. See the 0.8 is what the very, the general person needs for just your body processes. Okay. That doesn't factor in exercise or anything. Ah, so, so it gets you, confusing. Yeah. So what we use is called like activity factors. Okay. Like if you're very active, you might use an activity of factor of 1.3. So you'll take your body weight in kilograms times 0.8 and then multiply that by 1.3. So, so that'll be a little, so if it's a hundred, we could do it, but times 0.08 point, time, point 0.8, point 0.8, then times 1.3. Yes. Okay. That would be a better indication. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of a, is that a newer school way of doing it? Or is that kind of just the general way of doing it? Cause I've never heard it like that. So it's like, it comes from a really big equation called the Mifflin St. Jor that we use, um, in school to calculate like calories and everything. Mm -hmm. So you can also do your calories in that way. Like the general person needs 25 to 30 calories per kilogram. Okay. Same thing. Multiply that by your activity factor and then you'll get, um, so how do I decide my activity factor? So I can't remember. It's like sedentary okay. would be like oh, so there's Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. And then like moderately active, okay. very active, but like in the clinical setting, we use it in terms of like sickness and okay. if they have wounds and everything, okay. you'll need more protein. So you, okay. can you yeah. send me that calculating yeah. thing? Cause I'd love to just kind of see it and totally. kind of educate people that I can on that as well. Yeah, Educate sure. my own clients yeah. about figuring that out on what they need. Because yeah. even myself, I'm like, how, cause I, I am a, 
big proponent in educating people on calorie in versus calorie out. Mm -hmm. If you want to lose weight, no matter what you do, mm -hmm. I don't care if it's keto. I don't care if it's carnivore. I don't care if it's paleo, vegetarian, whatever. If you want to lose weight, it's calorie in versus calorie out. Yeah, there has to be a calorie deficit. Correct. And so you can say you're keto, but eat five steaks and not do anything and continue to gain weight. So trying to, so it'd be helpful to have that because then I can mm -hmm. figure my own shit out because I've, I work in a calorie deficit, I think for the most part. Okay. Um, and I use my fitness pal. Do you recommend that? I used that? to use it. I mean, it's a good, easy way mm -hmm. to, if you're wanting to track things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you not track? I don't. Why not? I don't like to get so caught up in the numbers. Mm -hmm. um, I think in the fitness world, it's good to do that just okay. because it is kind of a science in that mm -hmm. way, depending on what your goals are. But in terms of a general healthy diet, I don't track. Um, I think if you're eating well and doing what feels good, makes you feel good, then... That's but healthy. At, at what point would you recommend somebody tracking? Because you're you're a dietitian, right? Yeah, and you're trying to eat healthy, but you can't you can't you don't can't look at a piece of meat and decide that it yeah. weighs this much or right. what really how much that spinach. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you can get a basis. There's in I get the idea of intuitive eating. Like mm -hmm. I understand it. But when, and I think there are some people that can do it well, I think mainly people that are smaller frames do it pretty well mm -hmm. because I don't think they're as hungry, mm -hmm. right? And they're, and they get full easier mm -hmm. for me. I am constantly hungry mm -hmm. no matter what diet I'm on, whether I'm in deficit or not in deficit, I'm always hungry because mm -hmm. my metabolism my, this is my pseudoscience is that's just going. Well, you're exercising a lot too, yeah. you know? So, and, and there's nothing, it is very rare that I'm like not hungry. Mm -hmm. So I can't intuitively eat. Right. I have to count it and then be done. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if I, if, if, if I go over a hundred or 200 calories on my tracker, I'm like, I have to be done at this point or I'm going to, have you yeah. tried increasing your calories or any, like to see if that satiates you more? Like, I'm wondering if maybe you're not eating enough for what you need. Oh, I, I would probably, I mean, I probably need to up them. Well, not right now when I get, cause I just had surgery about five weeks ago. Oh, but okay. I'm hopefully get released in a week, a week from Monday. Um, when I get back to doing as much jujitsu as I was, then definitely need to figure out how to up it a little uh -huh. bit. Um, but right now, what's interesting is I'm not exercising because I'm on a um, a weight limit restriction. Okay. So I my doctor says I can only lift ten pounds. I pushed it a little bit with some bands. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is I'm still starving. Like even though I'm at two thousand and some calories. And I'll eat that. I'm still like, feel like I'm just burning, burning, burning. And I'm, and I haven't gained, I fluctuate five pounds, okay. right? Between a couple days, right? So that's been an interesting thing too, to 
for Jill to understand is water weight, holding on to water. Yeah. Because she'll be like, oh, I gained three pounds. I'm like, yeah, I bet that's water weight from those carbs. It is. Two days later, it's out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because to gain a true pound, I think it's like 3,500 calories. You would have to eat 3,500 calories in excess of what your body needs. Really? Yeah. So people think they're gaining a pound. It's not a true pound. It's it's water weight. So if so if my calories is two thousand, okay, yeah. I would have to to gain an actual pound. I'd have to eat fifty five hundred. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's good news. Yeah. Okay, but over but there's also over time, right? So like yeah, but like if you you went all out on the weekend mm-hmm. and you gained like a couple pounds mm-hmm. you step on the scale the next morning, you gained a couple pounds. Did you really, or did you like, did you really eat what, like almost 8,000 calories over your right. limit? Right. Or is it just holding on to water because you salt had salt and, and yep. gluten and yep. all hey, interesting. Yeah. I'm going to, that one's going to stick with yeah. me because that's an interesting one. Not that I'm going to go all out all the time, but that's, but that makes sense. It's a good reminder. Like yeah. you're going to be okay. You're not going to yeah. gain a pound of fat, you right. know? Right. So. And how do you, I, I love, do you follow, do you know who the RP guys are? RP fitness or RP periodization, Renaissance periodization. I don't think Connor might've showed me them before. You should check sure. them out. I okay. think you, I mean, I think they're just fun to like, um, and he's, he's really into the fitness world and whatever, but, and I like him a lot, but the thing that stuck with me, he said something. It's not between Christmas and New Year's that fucks you up. It's New Year's between New Year's and Christmas. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. And I think you have some of that on your on your social media, like talking to people. It's like, it's okay to yeah. have a night out or a couple days, but just get back to it. Right. Right? It's about the long term. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. You can't, you just can't cause that much damage in a few days. Right. And ex- like that number 3,500, yeah. you're not eating that much. How do you, how do you coach your um, clients into making um, better habits? Right. Cause that's really what, what we're doing. It's not, it's not, um, Oh shit. Just answer. Okay. (laughs) It's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that accountability and having someone there to ask questions and talk about all this stuff is super helpful. That's why with my clients, we meet every single week for four months because it's really hard to stay on track just by yourself, especially when you don't really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I have people reaching out all the time asking just like, can you give me a protocol and then I'll follow it. And it can be really tempting to want that, but it's just the question of, will you actually stick to it? Mm -hmm. You know? So, um, I'm a big fan of just like creating morning and evening routines, like writing down positive affirmations is a big thing that I do or journaling and getting everything out onto paper making lists of what you need to do that day. And, um, there's even like habit tracker Mm -hmm. sheets that I have where you can write like what you want to do. Uh, And then you cross off the day each time. So you make sure that you do it. Um, 
but I, I think accountability more than anything okay. really helps people. Okay. So you saying, what did you have to eat this week or what did it look like? Or they send you their, their trackers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you look over and go, okay, it looks like you followed it and, and yeah. you're doing well. Or, well, it looks like we need to adjust your calories here or there. Things is that what you're Yeah, yeah. I have clients track their their food mm-hmm. as it relates to their symptoms so we can okay. try to make connections between what foods could be giving you an issue that we might need to eliminate for a period of time okay. to see if you're actually sensitive and whatnot. Um and then I'm really big on just like what would make it easier for you to to follow this? Like what can we what can we adjust to make it so that this is easy for you and not such a hassle mm-hmm. to implement this? you know? Right. So, um, really working with the person and where they're at in their journey. I'm not going to push anything on you. If you're saying like, no, I'm absolutely not going to take my supplements at three different times in the day, just because I I can't do it. Not going to say that you have to do that for it to work. We'll just adjust and kind of figure out what will work. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, do you teach them like placement of things. So like in their house, like yeah. put a, put a, put all your fruits on a bowl in the middle of the mm-hmm. table. So when you walk by it. Yeah. Or having mm-hmm. your, um, like having fresh vegetables cut up in your fridge mm-hmm. for snacks. Like if you buy whole carrots or whole celery or something and you're hungry, you're not going to take the time to cut those up when you're starving. So have yeah. them cut up and ready in the fridge that you can grab them, even put them in like individual containers or bags or something to grab and go so that there's no excuse why you can't reach oh, for them. Okay. Um, how do you, okay. Ooh. I like that. I'm going to use that actually because Otto <laughs> likes vegetables and the other one's like somewhat like fruits and vegetables, but, <laughs> but he likes me to buy these things and then they sit in the, uh-huh. the vegetable thing and we don't get to them. So that's a good idea. Well, yeah, and because they might just not be visible. Right. If you put them out on the middle shelf, like the mm-hmm. first shelf that you see, so you're okay. actually looking at it. How that do can you be get helpful. them to go to the refrigerator as opposed to the cupboard? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure on that one. Because I go to the cupboard. Yeah. I am a, I am a, um, I'm a chip guy. Yeah. That's my, th- I mean, I like sweets. They're great, but like my my issue is I love yeah, chips and salty too. and mm-hmm. things like that. So when I was cutting for the jujitsu tournament, jujitsu tournament, I put like all these sticky notes, no Josh, no Josh all yeah. over the, the cupboards because I, I needed to not a reminder. Uh-huh. But how do I, how do we train people to go to their fridge opposed to going to the cupboards? Cause that's where all the, sh- you know, right. The shit is really like, there's nothing good in the cupboard. Right. I like nuts Beef, and like jerky and nuts, right? Yeah. There's not like all the carby stuff is not mm-hmm. going to be the best mm-hmm. thing. That's a good question. I would have to think about some strategies okay. for that a little bit more. Okay. I, all I can think of is like, you know, like the signage, like the sticky notes and mm-hmm. stuff or like physically like closing the cupboard somehow so that mm-hmm. you go to the fridge or like putting something in the fridge that you would need to have. I don't know. It's, that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, let's get, have you ever heard of the book atomic habits? I haven't. Okay. I suggest that book. Okay. Um, 
it's really easy. It's what you're doing anyways with your, your folks. Uh But I think it's just kind of maybe helps you reinforce to them all those things. Cause like the, the, like putting your shoes out for running or Uh the bowl, the bowl of fruit Mm -hmm. and the thing, or the cutting it up. Those are all these habits that we get into. And so it's, it wasn't new information for me, but it's just the way that he expressed the information was like, Oh, that's really, really cool. I'll need to read that. Okay. Um, so in my professional life, I work with um, a lot of men and and women. Um, but on the men's end, I work with them a lot about overall health. And part of that is their sexual health. Okay. Are there foods that are good for either gender for sexual health? Do you, do you study that all or anything like that? You know... Um... The one thing that comes to mind is like healthy fats are okay. really good for your hormones. Okay. Um, so that's a big one that I think of, you know, like nuts, avocados, seeds, fish, okay. um, healthy fats for both. Would you say that for both men and women? So that would be good for women as well. Like those healthy fats for their hormones, for their mm-hmm. libido, all things like that. I know for sure for women, okay. I would think it's the same for men as well. Okay. okay. Um, and then another that I think of is like cruciferous vegetables, like okay. Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower. Those are really good for um, estrogen detox. Okay. So if you're having, if you're showing signs of estrogen dominance, okay. eating those things can help really? get rid of some of it. Yeah. So tell me what those ones are again. So like Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, um, kale, see what else those are the big ones interesting so they kind of for lack of a better for my education like kind of block estrogen or help reduce it they have a compound in it that can help to yeah like reduce it pretty much cool yeah that's awesome to know okay um anything else for um either gender to to because when we both Jill and I and our other person works for, we deal with a lot of people with depression and Mm -hmm. when they take medications that lowers their libido, Mm -hmm. right? Their desire. And so I'm really trying to, and I really try to, I don't like them to not, I don't want them to be on medication the rest of their life, but I understand that it's a band aid. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't say don't do that. Right. But what they do say is my sex drives, not working Mm -hmm. or it's not as there and I miss that and my partner's upset and and I also I also do couples counseling a lot Mm -hmm. like it's part of my thing and that's another issue like one may be depressed and so I think just being able to educate them about food and exercise is one of my um I know exercise does that but Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to figure out like what are the things that that I can easily suggest to them that wouldn't seem like a lot of work because they're already working so hard to feel better mm-hmm. that I just want them to have some type of easy thing. So if it's nuts and vegetables that they can just eat that are going to make, Oh, okay. That's going to, that's going to at least help some way. Are you talking like in addition to the medication, like how to support them while they're on the medication or both, right? Because medication r- lowers their desire. So uh-huh. we need to figure out how to get that back up. Right. And, and just saying, well, just, have sex or just play for two hours mm-hmm. 
they have to be, in, you know, at some point they have to be in the mood or, or right. the libido has to go up a little bit to do that. Or they just, they just don't. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm just trying to figure out what are things that I can, even if it's a placebo effect mm-hmm. on some level to be like, Hey, eat a handful of these almonds and these walnuts. Cause I know that that is helpful for dudes. Uh-huh. That one of those is helpful for like, that is an option. But so like, I'm just trying to just kind of come up and I think you already answered it, but I'm just, I wish I knew more okay. about like, I would, I want to look into that actually. on like how you can support like through diet while you're on those medications to mm-hmm. kind of lessen the side effects. Um, I, yeah, I wish okay. I knew the only thing okay. I can think of is like the healthy fats to support your, okay. your hormones. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, um, my wife and I's business maybe could uh, partnership with your business on trying to figure out some of these things so we could help our clients in it. Cause I'm a big yeah. fan of doing natural yeah, um, ways of doing things just to help with either any kinds of symptoms of, yeah. of what they're having, you know? Well, and you know, like I think it's like nine, I think it's 90% of your serotonin is made in your gut. It's oh, not shit. made in your brain. It's made in your gut. And how, and tell me more about that. So what does that mean when it's made in your gut? Like wh- what's like producing it? Your gut bacteria okay. help to produce it. So if you're so if you're beating your gut up with mm-hmm. crap, then your serotonin is going to go down. Yeah, and if there's an imbalance of the gut bacteria, okay. like if you have too little good bacteria and too much bad bacteria, absolutely that can affect your okay. serotonin levels. So okay, so how do people get and create good bacteria in their gut? So. Um, First step that I like to do is the stool test. Mm-hmm. I always say tests don't guess because mm-hmm. you want to see exactly what's going on before you do anything because you don't want to make it worse. Okay. Um, obviously, adding in a probiotic is going to help to increase your good bacteria, mm-hmm. but everyone needs different strains based on what they already have okay. or what they're deficient in mm-hmm. pretty much. So we can choose specific probiotics that will help bring those levels back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then simple, simple things like fermented foods, eating like sauerkraut, kombucha, um, kefir is like, uh, what is kefir? Tell me. Yeah. It's like a Danimals, like the liquid yogurt drink. That's what I refer to it as, but it's fermented. It has natural probiotics. It's pretty much like a yogurt. Okay. That's really good. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. Connor's gotten really into like fermentation. So he makes like. What do you make? Jardinera and like homemade pickles the other day, but those have the naturally occurring probiotics in them. So, okay. Yeah. But those are just simple things you can do. Okay. But then the other part of that is you need to be feeding those good bacteria with fiber, like prebiotic fiber is what like the fiber and fruits and vegetables that actually makes it down to the large intestine, which is the gut and feeds the good bacteria so they can continue to grow. So I know that, I know that you can't answer it because you, in, in, um, fact, right this second, because it's not in front of you, but I do powdered greens. Okay. A natural powdered greens from sprouts. Okay. Cause I didn't, cause I don't do the, I don't have enough money for the, um, athletic greens. Athletic greens. Those are so expensive. So fucking expensive. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, God damn it. Man. It's too much. So I get it. I get it. I mean, it's from sprouts. It looks, I mean, it's or, they say it's organic. So I do that. Is that, is that okay? Instead of having to 
fucking eat a bunch of kale and spinach? I mean, I diet first, but like if you're in a pinch and that's what you can okay. get in, it's better than nothing. Okay. Cause I don't eat, I have some vegetables in some of my meals that I have, but I mainly get that to get whatever good shit out of vegetables that I need. Mm-hmm. And then I take a probiotic. Okay. And then I have a shake in the, in the evening with some um, casein protein. And then I have like strawberries and blueberries in that frozen. Do I need, would you say, when would you say take a prebiotic in my day? First, because I take my probiotic in the morning with all my other supplements. Because I'm one of those guys yeah. that supplements doesn't bother bother my stomach. I can look, I take like thirty pills in the okay. morning, and I'm You're good. Fine, okay. Yeah. Uh, prebiotics all throughout the day. Okay, like you need fiber with every meal to okay. help um, to help with that. But like the probiotics, I actually recommend taking it at night okay because you'll have a fasting window you know like and that help that gives it more time to make its way down to the large intestine without food interfering and being digested so at night when you're when you're in a fasted state for like 12 hours say you have cleansing waves in your gut which is literally like a motion that goes through your gut to get all of the debris down and out and that's going to help to push that probiotic down and help to populate the gut while there's not all the food in the way. Okay. So So just something to think about. Probiotic at night. Yeah. Now does, what if, but I eat my, or I drink my shake about eight and go to bed about nine or nine 30. Should I just take it right before I go to bed then with my milk thistle? I would because it's a little bit longer, farther away from when you ate. Okay. So a little bit farther along from my weight, but it'll, but it'll still have the same effects. Cause I, cause that stuff will digest. And then my, I'll yeah, okay. it, yeah, just having a little gap okay. in there is Great. helpful. So, okay, cool. Um, and then prebiotic throughout the day, which is just fiber. Is that what you're, is that what prebiotic is? So technically it's fiber, but like prebiotic, fi- every fruit and vegetable has prebiotic fiber, okay. but there's certain ones that are higher in prebiotic fiber, which is like asparagus, um, garlic and onions, leeks, pretty much those things just bypass the small intestine where it's digest or they're not as digested Mm -hmm. there and they make their way down to the large intestine to feed the good bugs a little bit more. Every fruit and vegetable is going to have it, but those ones are just a little bit higher. Okay. So, but if I take a supplement of it, morning's okay. Yeah. I don't think it really matters, but yeah. Cause that's one of the ones I have not added in yet is a prebiotic as far as a, a supplement. I mean, I have fruits Mm -hmm. and vegetables on some level throughout the day. Yeah, if you're not yeah. having a ton of fruits and vegetables, though, I mean that might okay. might be a good thing to try. Okay. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Jill doesn't have a lot of fruits and vegetables, so I'll just. Well, I mean, I guess that's relative. She does actually. So. Even okay. with your like your shakes, you said you do like the berries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever added like spinach or something to those? Yeah, it tastes different. Really, you think spinach does? Yeah, I used to do the a greens one with fruits and berries and all that stuff uh-huh. for a long time, and I just got so tired of it's like it's like eggs okay okay so i eggs for as far as for health Uh every morning for like 20 years and then one day i woke up i couldn't eat fucking eggs for breakfast i can have eggs for dinner but i can't have eggs for breakfast okay it's i like the same thing with spinach okay i woke up and i was like i can't do spinach and kale in my shakes anymore 
Yeah. Just there's something about that bitterness. Mm-hmm. Just I can't do it anymore. I get that from the kale. Like kale, you can mm-hmm. really, really taste yeah. it. But spinach, I don't have like a huge problem with. But yeah, maybe it's yeah. maybe it's just my mind. It could be. My mind's like, fuck this spinach bullshit. I've been doing it for, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. What other, some people will do also is do like frozen riced cauliflower. Oh uh, yeah. And we have that. We have a bunch of that in the freezer. Yeah. So. You could try it and see. I mean, I've, I've done it and I really don't notice it that in much. The, it's more sh- just like ice. Okay. So. Okay. Cause I use the frozen strawberries and blueberries. So yeah. I'll try that. Just a half a cup. Yeah. Or just like try that. it and see. Just okay. easy way, you know, okay. to get some more in. Right. Without trying too hard. <laughs> so, no, yeah. I, Jill really liked the cauliflower rice in some of her meals. Um, we haven't done them a lot lately because I changed up her lunch, but um, it just filled her up with mm-hmm. very minimal calories and carbs. Uh-huh. You can eat a lot of cal- cauliflower you rice can. and ton <laughs> and feel full. She would say feel full and hardly like uh-huh. hardly have any calories or so yeah that's pretty cool what I, I like to like cut cauliflower rice with a little bit of like quinoa mm-hmm. or something uh-huh. do like half and half so you're still getting the the yeah. carbs yep. but still extra veggies that you don't notice at nice. all nice. yeah um what pisses me off the most is chipotle and their new cauliflower rice that costs three dollars yeah what the fuck like that's not making it available to the people at all like not you want to help all. people be healthier but that's like I'm not going to pay $12 for a Chipotle bowl. No. That's ridiculous. I told my kids that they couldn't have guacamole on their Chipotle yeah. anymore because it's $3 extra too. I'm uh-huh. like, what? I wasn't paying attention before. And then I was like, why is this bill so high? Oh, everybody had guacamole. Yeah. Oh, that's $9. No more guac. <laughs> no more guacamole. Jeez Louise. Ridiculous. It's crazy because a cauliflower can't. No, that's as so cheap. Rice. Yeah. So like weird. buying bulk frozen cauliflower, that's got to be so cheap. But it's got to be really strange. To, I mean, that's part of the problem, right? Is we've made, and, and I'm a big proponent of white rice versus brown rice. Like I'm, I think brown rice is, um, everybody's been tricked to think it's good for you and that white rice is bad for you. And I'm like, nope. It's really not that big of a difference. It's not that big of a difference. <laughs> and... Actually, I hear that brown, and I'm going to fact check this, brown rice is actually processed versus white rice because of the shucks or whatever. I can't remember exactly the the theory on it. but So, well, the brown rice has, I think it's the whole is what it's called, still on it. That's why it's brown. And white rice has that taken off. Right. And it actually causes it's harder to digest. The brown rice is harder to digest because of the shuck, right? because it's like fiber. Right. So yeah, it's not as quickly digested as the white rice. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, trying to explain to people that the body doesn't understand the difference, right? The body or the, the body is not going, Oh, this is brown rice. Oh, this is white rice or, yeah. Oh, this is sugar from a, 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 uh, Sour Patch Kid versus this is white rice. Like right. the body doesn't. It's all broken down the same. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that's a funny one to yeah. think about. Um, I don't know what I was saying before we got, went down the white rice thing. Oh, um, that we make, this is a perfect example of how we make healthy options. Like kind of what you're saying, not affordable for people or not available. For, yeah. yeah. Because it's like, oh, 
I'm trying to watch my carb intake, right? Oh, do you have cauliflower rice? Oh, I only have $6 for my thing. Oh, that's th- I can't afford that. Right. So they go for the mm-hmm. rice and then they can't. I mean, obviously they they are they have make choices in their life, but still. Right. That's a great example of Yeah. It's what's the saying? It's like we're fed I'd have to look it up. It's something like we're fed by the food industry and I'd have to look it up, but it's, it's pretty much saying like the food we're fed by the food industry, which is giving us all these bad foods. And then medicine is supposed to heal us. I I don't know how to word it. I might like look it up because it's, it's a good one and it's really just like eye opening. Um, as you're looking that up, I know this, you'll be able to talk about this while you're looking. Do you exercise yourself? I do. Um, I've not as much as I used to. Okay. I've gotten more into like gentle movement. Like I've been doing, um, like yoga and yoga sculpt classes and stuff like that recently, which I've really, really liked. Um, I tried to start like working out at home during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and stuff and I get so bored at home. Like I, I I just can't focus on it. So Mm -hmm. I, feel like I need to be in a studio of okay. some sort okay. with like a coach, you know? So was it hard in the pandemic to stay f- physical for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like really took a hiatus of working out for okay. like a really long time. Okay. Um, which like in high school and stuff, I would have never done. I would have never let myself do that. Mm-hmm. But I think it was like just a mental shift. Like this is where mm-hmm. we're at. It's okay. Like I don't feel like working out. It's not like bringing me joy right now. It seems more like a chore. So I just didn't do it. But it's just been like a shift kind of in that way. Okay, here it is. People are fed by the food industry, which pays no attention to health. And we are treated by the health industry, which pays no attention to food. So. I love it. Yeah. Send that. Can you send that to me too? Yeah. Um, So do you do any hot yoga? Yeah. I've recently, my wife has done hot yoga for a long time. I recently got into it and then been doing some research on how like it, it could potentially have the same, heard it from Rogan, but then have been doing my own um, reading that has this could have the same potential um, benefits as um, sauna and heat yeah. shock proteins and totally all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. It's just as hot and then you're moving a little bit mm-hmm. with it. So yeah, yeah, I feel great after hot yoga. It's just yeah. like such a release. Do you do that once or twice a week with your thing or how did, what's, what's your like regimen? So the place I go actually like all of the classes are heated oh, nice. in some way. It's power life yoga. Okay. Um, there's not one here in town, but in Kansas city, there's like four locations, okay. but there's like a hot yoga, which I think is like 92 degrees and then yoga sculpt which is more just like light weights and like almost like a hit workout with mm-hmm. some yoga in the mix but mm-hmm. it's like 85 degrees so it's still yep. hot like you're sweating a lot through all of them um but yeah it's been great i love awesome. it yeah awesome that's great um let's talk a little bit before we wrap up a little bit about the importance of water mm-hmm. and the intake of water for for one for gut health and um for kidney function and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, water is involved in every single process in your body. If you're not drinking enough water, just things aren't going to work right. Right. Your nutrients can't be delivered to your cells. 
Um, electrolytes, same thing, can't be delivered to your cells, so you're probably going to be lethargic. Um, and also just like the role in hunger. Also, a lot of people are, they don't realize that, I don't want to say if you're hungry, just drink some water because that's like, people say that all the time and mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily true. But if you are feeling like feelings of intense hunger and like mm-hmm. cravings, a lot of times you're dehydrated and you mm-hmm. need to drink some, some water, but also, also you might truly be hungry. So <laughs> it's, I know that <laughs> just making sure you're, you're hydrated mm-hmm. can help with so much. I feel like, um, I've been making these new like drinks that a dietitian that I really, really like talks about on Instagram all the time. She calls it like a mineral cocktail Okay. and she'll do like eight ounces of coconut water, a fourth teaspoon of salt, like a really high quality salt, like, um, Celtic sea salt or Redmond's real salt. They just are higher in minerals. Okay. And then like lemon juice or a little bit of orange juice. And then she'll also do like magnesium powder. Okay. I haven't done that part yet, but I do the rest. Okay. And I mix it with, um, a red powder that I have. It's like red fruits. Okay. Um, and it tastes like a red Gatorade, but it just like at like three o'clock when energy is low, that's what I do. And I swear it's like, I just had a cup of coffee. No like shit. It gives you so much energy because it helps the electrolytes just like get into your cells, you know? Oh, can you send me that recipe yeah, too? I will. Cause I, that I sounds, love it. Yeah, that because that's the type of shit that I'm into. Like, how do I maximize my potential, right? Mm-hmm. How, or uh, at least optimize, right? Yeah. And I'll do anything to try to optimize getting the best out of myself, right? Well, especially when you're working out so much and sweating so much, mm-hmm. like you need that. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the doctor on Monday, last Monday, and they and you know went fasted. Did the whole thing. Then they took my blood. Um, I get a call Wednesday. And they're like, it's the nurse. She's like, Josh, we're, we're a little concerned. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck, I'm getting old, right? Thought it was going to be my liver from all the other things that I do. Not illegal things. Well, <laughs> there might be illegal. Anyways, um, not drinking or drugs. Um, and uh, they... Uh, they're like, um, your kidney function. It's like, it's supposed to be like point something, or I can't remember, but it's, it's elevated by like 0.5. And I was like, oh. okay. She's like, we think, and your creatine was high. Okay. Like, creatine's high. I'm like, does creatine affect that? Because I take a creatine supplement. And she's like, yeah, I could. So let's take out the creatine. But man, we don't know if you're just dehydrated or not. And I was like, mm. I don't I don't know. Okay. And I, you know, they made it sound like I was super worried. And I was like driving because I was, uh, was at the bank. And then I was like, son of a bitch. On Sunday, I went to hot yoga oh. and sweated like profusely. Uh-huh. Okay. Three hours later, went to Mud and Lotus Oh my gosh. for a sauna and tub. Yeah. Right. The whole day I was like, couldn't drink enough. Whatever. Uh-huh. Yep. Totally. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So I called him back and left him. I said, oh, yeah, this is what I did. Da, da, da. Oh, my God. But I have to go in for another blood test just to make sure. But I was like, oh, yeah. I was so, I'm sure I was just oh my God. ridiculous. So dehydrated. dehydrated. Yeah. That mode just, and lotus will make you oh, really yeah. sweat. I wish they would do a cold. We were talking about this, like in the summer, yeah. do a cold tub. Yes. So I can go from the sauna to a cold tub. Yes. Like, 
That would be amazing. And the health benefits of that would be awesome also. I know. God damn. But like, like in the winter, I could see how it would be so nice, but we did it like a couple weeks ago and I was like, damn, it's like almost too hot. Like, I feel like I'm going to pass yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. We did, we did one. We go, Jill goes more than once a month. She goes like, tries to go twice a month to, to do it. And I try to get one in a month. We did one in when it was so freezing cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Ugh, I want like, that. Just because you could stay in the sauna, yeah, and really get it up to. I think we got up to like two ten. Oh my god! And just sat in there for ten minutes, and then froze our asses on our way to the tub. But then it was able to get in. Yeah. The tub. It was, oh, that's it was awesome. Yeah. But as we get warmer, we both were like, "Oh, it's going to be really hard." To, yeah. To be in the sauna and then leave it and it be fucking 100 degrees outside exactly yeah the cold tub would be a game changer yeah they should do that someone's gotta tell them about that yeah (laughs) somebody's gotta tell them about a few things business practices they need Uh a business coach um i want to talk about that before there's so i've had such a great time but i want to talk about how you decided to get a business coach yeah for your business because that really because we have for um, the Magnolia Institute, we have a company that does our website and then does our social media, and we're really struggling with how to how do we boost some of that stuff because it's not our it's not our thing to do Instagram right mm-hmm. like it's just not or Facebook we just so that's why we hired it out. But I'm wondering like does a do we need to hire a short term business coach to help with this kind of helping us manage manage them or something? I don't know what you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone could really benefit from a coach of some sort. We just can't know it all. And you've got to have someone to teach you these things. Like I would not know anything that I'm doing right now if she didn't tell me like what certain programs I need to use to do scheduling and um, like client management systems and all that. I just wouldn't have known. So I feel like it just opens your eyes to everything that's out there and hiring someone that is an expert in that area can save you so much time also without like, you know, trying to just figure it out all on your own. Mm-hmm. So how much time do you spend on social media to, to boost your business? I need to be better about like actually time blocking time for social media mm-hmm. and dedicating time to it because you know, I just get on and scroll all day just here and there which so I'm probably spending way more time on social media than I should be like not even doing anything productive just being a consumer right um so I need to be better about that but I would I don't know I would say like at least an hour a day people would be on their Instagrams you know whether it's posting or talking on stories like that's the huge thing with Instagram is getting on your stories and talking more and like being like showing your face okay it's huge for engagement and then okay. the reels have also gotten what's the reels so it's like the videos like okay. it's like TikTok kind of but it's through Instagram yeah okay it's like Instagram's version of TikTok okay. so um but there the trick is there's only I think the maximum amount of time is 30 seconds okay but to get more views, people will put like information and like things will go away really quickly. So you have to watch it a bunch of times to actually uh, un- like see everything and understand it. So your views 
get so many because people literally can't read it all that fast. So if you think about like Instagram posts, like, okay, I could put this in a static post or I could put it in a reel Okay. and that'll get more views and more engagement. Okay. And with the algorithm, it's like reels are prioritized right now over posts. Good to know. Okay. We just don't know how to do like, how do you add something to a thing? And so we're, Okay, it's, that's good. Yeah, it's a learning curve for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Amanda, this has been amazing. Yeah, this you've has been awesome. A, you've done a great job for your first time on the podcast. And I really look forward to chatting with you more. And then as you continue to grow in your career, bringing you back on yeah. and and, um, and um, going forth. So before we um, leave, tell us how people can get a, get a hold of you for... Um, your business and coaching and yeah. and um, how they can find you. Yeah. So the best way will be to go on Instagram, search at amandabrown.rdn. Um, don't have a website yet. That's in the works. So the best way is really through Instagram right okay. now. Great. Um, thanks again. It's yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Remember everybody, perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Peace.